She mad like a meanie. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Up at Night. Sorry, I was not. Ow, hit something. Sorry, I was not here last week. I actually had a really bad, like, virus or something. I think it could have been um, tonsillitis, but I'm really not that sure. All I know is that I couldn't speak, I couldn't swallow my own spit, I couldn't drink any water, it was really bad. I went to the doctor, I had terrible fever, and I just, on Wednesday, I could barely talk, so I was like, I can't do this today, it's gonna have to wait, and I didn't want to push it off till I just, like, you know. I didn't actually start feeling better till Friday, like, night, so at least it's all better right now, and I can speak and be as annoying as I want. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so... Today will be the second installment of my Spooky Scary Halloween series. I'm very excited about it. As you can tell from the title, today will be a double feature. So that means I do have two different stories for y'all today. The first one is very long, but the second one is going to be, you know, a lot shorter, a lot more concise because the first one was committed in 1917 or like around that area. And the other one was committed in like the 1600s, so I don't have as much information on that as I should, but today we will be talking about the werewolf of Wisteria and about La Vision, which is a witch. So today is the werewolf and the witch, and I guess we're just going to go ahead and kick this off. Welcome back, and let's get started. Okay, the first story today is one that I don't know about really doing. Um, I got a lot of information for this story from Stay at Home Mom, so thank you Stay at Home Mom. She has a true crime series, check it out. And my, I was trying to come up with a trigger warning for this, for this story, but it's kind of hard. Um, if you know anything about the werewolf of Wisteria, this dude's insane. This dude is disturbed, he's horrible, he does horrible, horrible, horrible things, and I just like... Ugh. He does horror like a part of me doesn't want to tell the story because what he does is so gross to me as a human being that I cannot imagine ever thinking about doing any of this to even just talking about it kind of freaks me out. But the story is important. I'm trying to help tell the victim stories, blah, 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 blah. Y'all know this feel. I feel like I need to do this for the victims of... Uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> um, Albert Fish. <laughs> I forgot his name. <laughs> but if you can't handle terribly, terribly gross things, um, such as murder, mutilation, self-mutilation, and child murder, then I would skip to, like, the 23-minute mark, possibly, like, give or take, just skip to the end of the story. There should be, like, a little pause in between the stories, so you won't miss out on anything. It'll be very clear. And I'll probably tweet about it. So go to um, Up at Night Cast, and I'll let you know when the second story starts. Okay. I actually heard this story from, like, a weird song that I once listened to on YouTube. Uh, and I wrote this actually, and, like, whenever I realized that this was a story from the song, I, like, got, like, this terrible, like, shiver down my spine. I listened to it while I was writing it, and I was, like just super uncomfortable, like, I just kept on, like, shaking, and I just felt like somebody was watching me. Uh, I'm, the songs are Secrets of Wisteria, and there's a version that's, like, the regular version, and then there's a version that's the reverse version, 
in the reverse version, the reason that I knew that this was about that murder is because the reverse version actually includes a part of the letter that Albert Fish wrote to the victim's parents. I will say this right now. Do not listen to this song if you are easily freaked out. It is a very like unsettling song. The imagery is very unsettling. The way that the voice sounds is very spooky and unsettling. It's very well done, but it is kind of, you know, a little bit disturbing. Um, this isn't like a big dick contest or anything. You're not going to win a prize because, oh, I'm so edgy. I could listen to it and didn't feel anything. Like it is just a disturbing song. And I feel like it needed to be mentioned though, because I know some people are going to be like, whoa, it's just a song. But I know the song. Don't worry. Um, let's go to Washington, D.C. on May 19th in 1870, where Randall Fish and his wife, Ellen Fish, gave birth to their youngest of four, Howard Hamilton Fish. One of his older brothers passed, and he renamed himself Albert in his memory, and he also wanted to avoid the nickname Hammond Rolls, which is, you know, I have no idea how that correlates, and whatever, poor, poor baby, it was bullied because of the name Hammond Rolls, whatever. Um, at the age of five, his father actually passed away, and because his mom was unable to support the family, she put him up for adoption in Washington which kind of sounds like a beginning of one of those Wattpad fan fictions, and I almost felt like One Direction were going to come in and be like, rah, 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 rah. So um, at the orphanage, he was beaten up for being a pussy. He would be whipped by the orphanage owners, and he also blamed this whole experience of as, like, why he kind of went crazy, which is, like, kind of shitty of him to do. It's not his fault that he was crazy. Um, well, I mean, it's not anyone else's fault that he was crazy. It's him that was had problems. Anyways, <laughs> uh, in 1980, Fish's mom actually did get a job with the government and was able to take her son back out of the orphanage. However, this did not, this was not the end of his super screwed up childhood. Uh, at 12, he became friends with a telegraph boy, which is just like the kid who delivers the telegraph messengers to people, uh, who introduced him to, follow me here, stay with me, Eurolingia, ling, Eurolingia, which is drinking urine, and coprohagia, which is eating feces. I probably didn't describe either of them, but this was most of his childhood. Then, at 20, in 1890, he moved to the big NYC. He began prostituting, and he also began to sexually assault children. At 28, his mom arranged a marriage for him, which is just super poor girl. Uh, she was 19 whenever they got married, which just sucks, and they had six children. As a father and as a husband, he kept up with his horrendous crimes. He also began to have um, sadomasochistic affairs with men. That's as close as the pronunciation will get from me. I'm so sorry. He would also get women's names from classified advertising and would actually send them obscene letters. And he... This is, like, you should be able to tell this was just a gross, gross man who had so much wrong with him. He was just a terrible human being. Like, I don't even... Uh, his only run with the law was in 1930s when he was arrested for grand larceny and was sent to Sing Sing Prison. If Sing Sing Prison is familiar to you, it is because it was, it was a max security prison that home Maria Barbell, Raymond Ferdinand, and Martha Beck, along with a lot of others, just bad criminals. He was eventually actually released, which I think is kind of stupid, because he used to drink pee. And I mean, like, there's pee in prisons. Like, I'm just going to assume that he did it in there, too. There's no reports of it, but, like, 
once a pee drinker, always a pee drinker. And so they were like, ah, cool, see you later, man. And he was released. Whatever. Immediately after that, he left and met a 19-year-old in Wilmington, Delaware, named Thomas Keaton. Uh, Fish took Keaton home, and they had relations, uh, and it was, it was sadomasochistic. Did I do it right that time? I don't know. But it was his only way of actually having sex his entire life is in that manner. Um, when I laugh. After being together for around 10 days, Fish took Keaton to an isolated farmhouse. My advice to anyone listening to this is to never do this. I don't care if you're a male, if you're a female, if you're non-binary. Don't do this. Never go to an isolated farmhouse with a man you just met. And obviously I'm not blaming what happened to Keaton on Keaton. It's not his fault, but like, come on, man. So of course, Fish tied Keaton up and tortured him for two weeks before cutting his penis in half and leaving the young man to die. It's actually unconfirmed if he did die or not. He just left him there to bleed out. Um, he never was able to confirm if Keaton did actually pass. In 1970, Fish became a single father after divorce, which began the true escalation of his insanity. Because, uh, of course, leaving a man to bleed to death was just the prequel to his life. He began to now have hallucinations, and he even wrapped himself into a carpet after St. John told him to. Jeepers. And he began to dabble in self-mutilation. Now, I was not going to include this part, but it is important for future reference, and... I do want y'all to understand how batshit this guy was. Um, he would stick needles in himself. Uh, uh, there was 29 discovered once after he went in for, uh, I think it was like an x-ray or something. And he would beat himself with a nail-studded paddle. He would douse a wool cloth in lighter fluid. And he would shove it up his bum and set it on fire. He also, around this time, I don't know, I don't have, I don't have a transition. He also, around this time, became obsessed with cannibalism. And this kind of was able to, like, be subsided by him just eating raw meat and forcing his kids to eat raw meat. So, that was good. But in 1919, he actually did stab a man. Uh, I believe the man was mentally handicapped and was out in the street and he just went up to him and stabbed him. He did not die though. And in 1924, he began to have hallucinations that God was commanding him to torture and mutilate children. I would scream really loudly, but um, my best friend and his girlfriend are in the other room and I don't want to disturb them. So um, around this time, around this time, he also went ahead and purchased his infamous implements of hell, which consisted of a butcher knife, a meat cleaver, and a small handsaw. In 1928, he actually wanted to use these weapons on a neighborhood boy. Whenever he invited the boy and his friend over for sandwiches, they were lucky enough to kind of see the weapons ahead of time and run away and escape him. I'm sweating. Oh my gosh. Am I sweating because this is a terrible story? Am I sweating because it's hot? No idea. In May 1928, a young man named Edward Budd put out an ad looking for a job. Posing as a farmer, Fish met Edward and promised to hire him, and his original plan was to just tie the young man up, cut him, and watch him bleed to death. However, upon meeting Edward's 10-year-old daughter, Grace, his plans did change. 
He convinced her parents to let him take her to a party, and she was never seen again. The police were never able to find her and even did try to, uh, like, frame a retired police cop, but he was found innocent. In 1934, an anonymous letter was sent to Grace's parents, and I have read a lot of truly fucked up things in my life. The letter of how he described what happened to Grace is one of the worst. And it wasn't until I read the letter that I remember the songs. And the letter explained how Grace Budd was murdered, including taking her to an isolated house in Wisteria. And while she was playing outside picking flowers, he went inside to strip his clothes so they wouldn't get soiled. When Grace saw him, she started to cry and said that she was going to tell her mother. And I don't want to, I didn't want to read all the letter. That's just kind of like a little bit of expert of how she died. Um, the next part of the letter though is directly what he says. I choked her to death and cut her into small pieces so I could take my meat to my room, cook and eat it. I will not force myself to read this next sentence. Fuck you fish. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. He was arrested in 1934 after the police were able to link the letter to him basing on where the postage was from. That's kind of what I could understand. Um, either where the postage was from or where it was posted was able to leak him to it. Like people were like, I saw that crazy fish guy who eats raw meat post that there because he was a stupid idiot and can't do things right. Uh, the police got him in for questioning and he confessed to everything. He also confessed to killing two young boys named Francis McDowell and Billy Gahaffney who disappeared in 1924 and 1927, respectively. These are the two deaths that aren't really talked about whenever Albert Fish is brought up. Typically, Grace is the one that people remember the most just because of the letter and how terrifying it was. But um, these two boys also deserve to be remembered. Uh, McDowell was found hanging on a tree with severe lacerations in his leg. His left calf was stripped clean of meat. And Gaffney was actually never found after his gruesome killing. Uh, his head, arms, and legs were actually cut off and put into a sack with stones and dropped in a muddy pool. Fish admitted to eating his buttocks and genitals after cooking them with pickled onions and pepper. Oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I can't, I don't even have anything to say. Like, just fuck this guy. Oh my God. Ah, okay. <sighs> okay. He was put on trial on March 11th, 1935, and 10 days later, he was sentenced to death at Sing Sing Prison on January 16th, 1936, so like around a year later, uh, he was executed via electric chair. There is a rumor that he had to be electrocuted twice, as he had put a bunch of safety pins up his ass, but I am not sure, and I hope that whatever death he experienced, he suffered as much as one human is able to suffer. His crimes against humanity still make him, to this day, one of the most devious serial killers. <sighs> Man, I hate that. Oh, God. Every... Mm. It's hard for me to tell interesting crime stories whenever all I want to do is cry. The crimes this man committed make me sick to my stomach. A person that has this idea that he is allowed to take a life away from a young, young child deserves to be put to death. I don't, I don't even care. Like, I, I get super emotional about it. Children should not be treated this way. <sighs> okay. I need a break. I'm so sorry. I need, like, two seconds. My dad tweeted me. 
I hate how wrapped up I get in true crime stories. Maybe that's the reason that I like to talk about them so much. Because, like, it's hard not to get kind of invested in these victims and to just want better for them. Like, each time that I talk about a murder, each time I talk about a crime, all I want to do is go up to all the victims and just hug them and tell them that I'm sorry for what happened to them. Because men like Albert Fish are the reason that I believe in hell. They really are. Like... No man like this deserves to live a happy life, even in the afterlife. I just, I'm glad that he's dead. That's all I'm saying. I think that him and Gary, Gary Heidnick, are my two least favorite crimes I've ever talked about. Even though the Heidnick one was kind of popular with you guys. Um, everything about it, though, just made me freak out. If you didn't notice, I think during, there's one part during it where I actually almost started crying. Just because, you know. Every single part of me felt so bad for those women. And every single part of me feels so bad for these children. <sighs> okay. I think I'm ready now. So. Now, for a less terrible story. <laughs> if you fast forwarded to this part, hi. You didn't really miss much. If you heard me scream about Albert Fish, he sucked. And if you ever hear about him, tell them that he sucks. Um, today's story about a witch is called... La Vision. It's French. I googled it. That's how they pronounced it. So shut up. I got most of this information from ancientorigins.net. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I got. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about her real name's Catherine Deshays, whose life has influenced the world of a cult. And thanks to her gifts, she actually became a super crazy powerful woman. But this story does take place a long, long time ago, as I said earlier, so none of the dates will be exactly exact. I need to put back on my glasses because I took them off because I was so upset about Albert Fish. So, in 1640s, Catherine was born in France. Where? Somewhere in France. What day? No idea. To whom? No clue. However, I do know that whenever she was young, she married a man named Anthony Monvision. Uh... And whenever I say young woman, I'm trying to think about, like, young women back then. So it's probably, like, like, around age 14. But I love not having dates in stories. It's not at all confusing. It doesn't make storytelling hard. It's not hard to picture what's happening, like I try to help y'all do. No, it's great. I love not knowing ages. <sighs> so, um, Monvision had a jewelry shop that went bankrupt, and Catherine actually decided to handle the money all on her own. She was a well-educated woman and had a lot of med- She was a well-educated woman and had some medical knowledge, which led her to become a mid-knife- Mid-knife. It led her to become a mid-knife. She was one of those knives that only work whenever you're in the middle of a desert. Or it could be a medium-sized knife. You know, like, there's knives that, like, palm your hand and bigger. It's, like, one of those. It's, like, from your- from your leg to your thumb. She was a well-educated woman and had some medical knowledge, leading her to become a midwife and actually provide some women with abortions at the time, which is kind of super sick. Um, apart from her doctor shit, she became a well-known clairvoyant and fortune teller around the town. And she was kind of popping in the 17th century and everyone knew that she was the fortune telling bitch. She was awesome. And uh, she claimed her powers were a gift from God that she got at age nine. She studied many other disciplines and became proficient in physiology, but continued to do psychic readings and stuff like that. Once she had made a lot of money, uh, she tried to make her workplace as mystical as she was by spending 15,000 
Ivers. She spent a lot of money to buy a crimson red velvet robe that was embroidered with images of eagles in gold thread. Basically, I would kill for this robe. It sounds so amazing, and now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of ironic. <laughs> this investment in her appearance actually boosted her image in the eyes of the town, and her number of clients increased in tenfold. I don't know if it actually was in tenfold, but I talked about Albert Fish, and now I'm trying to be happy, and it sounds funny. <laughs> In 1665, a priest of St. Vincent de Paul's order and of the congregation, uh, and the congregation of the mission questioned her abilities. However, Catherine, who was now known as Le Vision, which means the neighbor in French, in French? Was that a combination between French and ranch? In French. <sighs> she was quick, and she stood up in front of the professors at Sorbonne University and explained all of her gifts to them. She was not only dismissed from the questioning, but she was also able to impress and sway her own critics. She improved her rituals and her spellness and her magic and added black mass to her resume. Um, from the mystical website, which is now my new favorite website, I learned that the black mass is actually a satanic ritual that I believe is used to communicate with the devil or is a way of honoring him. I'm not super sure. All I know is now I know how to do one. So just in case you ever need one, let me know. I'm totally kidding. Do not ask me. <laughs> and yeah, anyways, um, she was, she also became a living altar for the spirits that were worshipped, uh, meaning that people could like grant gifts to the spirits, could, I think it's like she could use her blood, like stuff like that. And yeah, witches. Um, she became a figure in the king's court and many fancy important people would ask for she became a figure in the king's court, and many fans of important people would ask her for her help and seek secret medical procedures, probably abortions, since they were kind of her thing, you know. She has a long list of fancy clients, and I do have them in front of me, and they're all French names. All of them are French names. So, if you speak French, I am so sorry. Francis Henry de Montmorency Boutivelle, the Deuce of Luxembourg, uh, France, Francoise Athedus de Rochert Monstepin, the Marstique of Monstepin and the King's Mistress, Olympi Mancini, the, Comset, the Comtesse de Socion, and her sister Marie Anna Manchisi, the Duchess of Bouillon, and the Compresse de Grammont, known as La Belle Hamilton. Nailed it. <laughs> she did become Parliament Affair, which later is one of the reasons that she died, and uh, one of the greatest scandals, Prince Louis XVI's life. In 1667, Madame de Montspan hired La Vision to perform a black mass for her. Rumors suggest that the king also attended the ritual, but it can't be confirmed because the story was 352 years ago. A witness did say, however, that the black mass was done so Montstepan could find a way to secure King Louis's love. Uh, Le Vision gave the woman a potion slash amphrodisiac that she was instructed to give to the king. Montstepan, however, turned out to be a stage five clinger, and when Louis started to take interest in someone else, Montstepan asked Catherine to kill Louis and his new love. At first, she did hesitate, but eventually accepted the proposal and created a poison and the, hatched a plan to kill the two. At first she hesitated, but eventually accepted the proposal and created a poison and hatched a plan to kill the two. 
the exact plan is actually, it was never written down. There's no way to really know what the plan was. All we know is that it failed. Um, instead of cleaning, instead of killing Louis or the women that he was with, Louis's sister-in-law was accidentally poisoned. This also kind of like enlightened something in her. And because of this one death, many of her client's enemies were killed by the same poison, which is crazy. Um, and it happened really fast, but of course, being a good little witch, she never did reveal any of her client's names, but it is suggested that she was involved in the death of somewhere between 1,000 and 200 and 250,000 people. Crazy. However, she was found as being the person that killed Louis' sister-in-law. I don't, I don't remember if Monstapan told the king or not. All I know is that she was sought out and she was found out for being a witch and for, you know, killing this guy. On February 22nd, 1680, yay, a real date, Catherine de Chaise was burned at the stake in the Palace de Greve in the heart of Paris. Monsepin was never tried for the crime she committed with La Vision and died of old age at 66. Woo, witchcraft! Ooh, fun stuff, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's just, oh, that's just so weird to think that, like, I don't know if any, I have any Wiccans listening to me, but I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think how weird, like, I feel like magic back then and magic now are, like, the witchcraft and, like, what people study that are witches um, are really the difference. I don't know of any witches that do, like, black masses and, like, convene with the devil. I don't even know Satanists that convene with the devil, but all I know is that I'm super excited for Halloween. Um, I really don't have much of a spiel today. I'm still kind of feeling a little bit off just from my my sickness. That's why my stories were kind of quick. My nose is kind of plugged up right now and I'm just very exhausted. Um, so my good thing for the week is that I'm back, that I'm healthier now. I did, I got a 90 today on my ASL midterm and I passed my first history test. Did I make an A? No. Did I make a B? No. Did I pass? Yes. And honestly, to me, right now, where I am, that's all that matters. So I passed. I feel good about it. I'm healthy again. Um, I'm recording this on a Wednesday night, so after this, I get to go hang out with my friends. I'm going to play some D&D. I'm very excited about it. And also, I'm so pumped for Halloween. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Wait, isn't Halloween like 17 days or something? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 days. Oh, I haven't got my costume together yet, but I know what I'm going to be. At first, I was going to be Velma, and then I was like, wait, no, I should be, um, oh, what's her name? I think it's like Mia from Clueless or something. And then I realized I had the perfect costume idea. Okay, so hear me out. I'm going to be, I'm going to dress up like an angel, and I'm going to wear like a big trench coat over it. And I'm going to have a little name tag that says angel on it. Then I'm going to write like in scrawling letters, like an A afterwards. I'm going to say like Angela. And I'm going to be an angel in disguise. I am holding for applause. Yes, I'm super excited about it. Do I really have any Halloween plans? No. Do I want to be invited to Halloween party? Yes. Am I also content with just watching shitty Halloween movies with my best friends? Yes. I'm just really excited. I love Halloween. I love spooky things. That's why I'm kind of doing my like 
spooky scary session right now and that's why I was so upset about missing last week because I I feel like I wasn't able to fully devote a story to a witch because I didn't really have that much time to do my research for the witch since I was sick until most of Friday and then I just got really busy over the weekend so I guess it is kind of my fault but I don't know I'm excited for next week we're gonna tell a really interesting story about a secret monster and then the week after that is the week after that Halloween actually hold on I literally just looked yeah the week after that's Halloween so the episode that will be going up on Halloween I'm just gonna tell you right now will be super long and probably one of the episodes I spend the most time on in my entire podcast career because I love Halloween and I feel like it's a good time for me to really release my inner juices <laughs> oh no that did not sound good <laughs> shit it's a good day for me to you know let my creative juices flow that's what I meant but I'm really excited and I also want to know what are y'all dressing up as for Halloween amazing sounds really cool um if you didn't scream at your phone though you can tweet me and let me know at uh up at night cast all lowercase all one word on twitter and let me know what you're going to be for halloween because i really do like to hear about halloween ideas do you have any plans for halloween are you doing anything crazy fun can i come let me know send me the address i'll be there but that's kind of all i really got to talk about I don't really have any crazy spiels for the end of either of these stories besides how much I hate Albert Fish. Um, I was going to make the witch story about those Salem witch trials, but again, I didn't have enough time. But if y'all kind of want me to do like an in-depth report about that, let me know. I will totally do it. Uh, I have been wanting to include more like spooky, scary stuff into my podcast, even though I know that this season, season in air quotes, it's all about true crime. Next season in air quotes is going to be all about mystery stories, so... If you have any, send them my way. My DMs are open for you to peruse. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the... What episode is this? <laughs> so thank you for listening to the eighth episode of Up at Night. And I will talk to you the next time I can't sleep. Bye, guys. <laughs>